Welcome to Frankly Speaking. This is a new podcast on responsible business by Frank Bold, the European public interest law firm. I'm Richard Howitt, and after years of debating responsible business issues inside the European Parliament, I'm hosting our discussions on the latest political, legal and business developments in the field of corporate sustainability, business and human rights. We speak frankly and personally about what moves policymakers, business and activists to make responsible business the norm. This is our first Frankly Speaking podcast for 2023. And today we're going to debate what will be the key issues for corporate sustainability, business and human rights in the next 12 months. And to do so, I'd like to welcome Sebastian Goodineau from WWF, the world's leading independent organisation for wildlife conservation and the environment. Sebastian is Chief Economist at WWF European Policy Office and Head of the Organisation's Sustainable Finance Unit. As well as being a close collaborator to Frank Bold, Sebastian was one of a number of environmental representatives who recently walked out as advisor to the EU Sustainable Finance Platform, of which I'm sure we'll hear more. However, let me start by wishing you, Sebastian, and all our listeners a very happy new year. And we're going to take it in turns to suggest what will be the key issues and developments on sustainability, business and human rights. Sebastian, where would you like to start? Thank you, Richard. Um, there are several issues I'd like to raise for um, this year, 2023. And let me start with the first one, which is uh, about uh, disclosure and framework at EU level for um, corporate sustainability reporting. Um, there, there are, there has already been much work on this um, this issue in the in the in the EU the last years. Um, but it's still not finished, and I, re- I will raise three concrete issues to finish the work properly. The first one is to set up a standard for companies to report meaningfully and precisely on um, their sustainability issues. And the second one is to ensure consistency across the different EU regulations on corporate sustainability disclosure, because there are a few inconsistencies. And the third one is to complete the gaps in terms of scope. Um, across the different EU regulations to report on corporate sustainability issues, there are a few gaps, loopholes. For example, um, investors are required to report some sustainability information on funds, but not on bonds, while bonds are really a, a mainstream financial instrument in the EU market. So that this kind of um, um, gaps needs to be solved. And that's, I think, if we if we improve this in 2023, it will be um, it will mean meaningful steps forward for corporate sustainability scores. Indeed, it will be. And uh, as we heard in our podcast before Christmas with Philip Greger, the the uh, Europeans reporting sustainability standards are a crucial moment. They've been produced by the um, Project Task Force at um, FRAG, uh, uh, and they're with the European Commission, and we're likely to see them by May. The companies are already beginning to um, be collecting information for their first reports under the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive. So it's very much a year of uh, of implementation uh, as far as the European-based companies are concerned. At the, at the global stage, the ISSB, International Sustainability Standards Board, uh, their climate and general requirement standards are uh, nearly there. Um, 
but I think what's going to be most interesting to us is they're consulting on what to do next. And that's going to be really crucial in how far future global sustainability standards for reporting are genuinely comprehensive and, uh, and integrated. Uh, and people have got their say to, uh, to, to, um, shape that. I also think this year, um, we're going to see more accusations of greenwashing. There are major scandals and uh, I'm not saying they were right. Uh, we take no view on these things, but big companies like KLM, HSBC, the bank, H&M, the, the retailer, they were subject to, to, to big greenwashing claims last year. There was, of course, the financial regulator that, uh, is, is, uh, potentially taking actions against Deutsche Bank. And I think that's, that's sending shockwaves through companies. And I think companies are going to be much more careful about what they claim. Indeed, the ones in Europe are going to be subject to the new initiative on substantiating their sustainability claims. So I see that as being a, a bit of a wake up call, uh, in this area. Uh, in the in the next year, but I'm going to do my first one, which is I, I still believe that the increase in in oil and energy prices post Ukraine is going to be a huge boost when we look back on it for renewable energy and also for for energy efficiency. I'm hearing a lot uh, from companies that are switching away from gas. They're decarbonising heat. They are uh, involved in their own decentralized energy generation. Uh, one survey had one in four companies getting involved in that. Uh, and then we're also anticipating breakthroughs in terms of technologies. There's obviously battery recharging technology, which is moving very, very fast and battery storage. Uh, but also, did, did you see India, this very recent announcement of putting big money into green hydrogen development and if green hydrogen was um uh, uh really uh, uh we got to a breakthrough as an energy source that was going to make a major difference so although uh, people are rightly worried about the the short-term return back to fossil fuels in the light of what's happened to, uh, in terms of russian supplies i still think 2023 will be the year for renewable energy and for energy efficiency what do you say uh, I think you're right, and I, I strongly hope so. I mean, we're really strongly calling for the same. Um, there's one problem right now, which is with uh, the return of inflation and um, some bottlenecks in supply chains. This is a problem for renewables and for energy efficiency, because you need to have insulation materials, for example, for buildings renovation. Um, and prices have increased now for um, renewable materials. For, let's say by 10, 20 percent because of inflation. However, however, this needs to be compared with the increase of energy prices, according to the International Energy Agency. Uh, last year, at global level, something like plus 100 percent of um, oil prices, plus 400 percent of coal prices, plus up to 1,000 percent of gas prices within Europe, in particular. Um, so that means, in relative terms energy efficiency and renewables have never been most cost-effective and most competitive than today, again, according to the International Energy Agency. So indeed, market-wise, it is very sensible to boost them like never before, because we have this economic argument. Uh, on, in addition to the other arguments, um, in terms of climate mitigation, in terms of uh, you know, um, improving the uh, energy independence of Europe and breaking geopolitical links with Russia and other um, 
dictatures, etc. Because Russia is the biggest main problem in terms of uh, fossil fuel suppliers, but that's not the only fossil fuel supplier that has some human rights and environmental issues. Um, however, there's one one problem with EU policymakers, including some uh, European governments, which are panicking because of um, risks of energy uh, in the energy supply in Europe, and which are going back to potentially, or I mean more or less, to fossil fuel subsidies for gas infrastructures, especially LNG terminals, new terminals, especially in Germany, um, which is totally counterproductive. I mean, it's really the worst possible moment to get back to fossil fuel subsidies. Well, you know we agree with that. So let's move to your, your second major issue, Sebastian. Yes. Um, I mentioned um, corporate reporting as the first issue. The second issue is let's now go beyond corporate reporting. Um, as, as David Hammer's um, disclosure is only a means, I mean, transparency is only a means to an end. And we think it's now, now time in, in the markets to go beyond uh, lower disclosure and towards alignment of corporate business models and um, portfolio, financial portfolios for financial institutions. Alignment with publicly agreed policy goals like the Paris Climate Agreement or much more recently, last December, the Kunming Montreal Agreement on biodiversity. Um, we think companies now need to set targets and implementing transition plans at a more granular level to show, to explain how they will become consistent, uh, they will become aligned with such policy goals. Um, so, and that's really critical for us. Fortunately, we have major opportunities right now in the EU policy agenda with different regulations and directives potentially requiring companies to do this, to set climate and sustainability targets and set up transition plans as well in the next few years. I think uh, in terms of going beyond disclosure, which is, is the point you're rightly making, what I'm looking forward to in 2023 at the European level is that corporate sustainability due diligence directive being agreed uh, because of the European elections in 2024. It's got to happen this year. I expect it to happen. Um, there's some important issues uh, still to to be sorted out, particularly whether it's the whole value chain upstream uh, as well uh, as well as downstream, whether it actually uh, applies to finance or not, whether there's a very hot debate uh, going on. Um, but in the end, it is about going beyond disclosure. It's about companies disclosing, yes, but on what they're doing to really search into their supply chain, to know who their suppliers are, to be working with their suppliers on social and environmental goals. Uh, and I'm, I'm optimistic that that directive will be agreed, uh, this year and will be, it's being watched around the world, actually. It's the next step. And, and I see that as, as happening this year. Do you, do you think that will go over the line? Yes. Well, thank you. I think we need to make this directive a game changer, indeed. Um, so that we make sure companies, I mean, we're moving from, from an obligation for companies to report to an obligation for companies to do. Because one big loophole that some people don't realize with the obligation to report is that it's a, not only an obligation to report, not an obligation to do something, which means if the company has already set a voluntary target, for example, on climate change, it is required by the law to disclose it. However, 
if this company has not set any climate target yet, then it has no obligation to set the target in the first place in order to disclose it. You mentioned the Climate Science Based Target Initiative. And interestingly, another one is coming very soon, which is called the Climate Sci sorry, Science Based Target Network that we will develop methodologies for um, nature, land, biodiversity, water, etc. So completing what has already been launched for um, climate change. Well, you mentioned nature, and that's going to be my, my, my own second major prediction or theme for the year. I think uh, um, uh, you've described the fact that we had the Montreal Agreement on Biodiversity COP15 just at the end of the year. But uh, an international agreement like that is only as good as then what happens next in implementing it. Uh, and this year, I think companies as well as governments are going to be searching even more closely on what they can and must do in terms of biodiversity. One third of climate mitigation is through nature-based solutions. So we can't do what we want on climate if we don't do it on nature as well. Uh, I've got high hopes for the task force for, for nature-related financial disclosure. People remember the old TCFD, climate-related financial disclosure, is was the biggest game changer I can remember in terms of sustainable finance. And I think that the TNFD, which the next version of which we expect in March and we expect to be agreed this year, turning these big challenges of nature into financial uh um issues for companies so that they can understand them but more importantly act on them uh do not just report couldn't agree with you more i think that's going to be a a, a big focus for debate this year and i know wwf itself is involved in its new forest land and agriculture guidance flag for climate accounting i think you do that with the science-based um uh, uh um in uh, uh initiatives spti um and um the you i think i'm coming out with a new version of that you know how you deal with trees how you deal with land and land degradation how agriculture operates these are detailed issues but if we're going to deal with the biodiversity crisis we need to deal with them so congratulations to the wdf wdf for being involved in that thanks well, there's still a lot of work down the road, but we're getting there. I mean, uh, the idea is to ensure um, alignment of financial flows with biodiversity objectives, the same way that the Paris Agreement on Climate Change sets up a commitment to align financial flows with um, the climate agreements from, from Paris. Okay, let's come on to your, your third area. It's the time for the taxonomy. Tell us the story of why you had to walk out. But a taxonomy, just for again, all our listeners, it's a, it's a classification system so that we know whether an investment is really environmental or not. Um, there's one in the EU, though many countries have been developing taxonomies. Uh, what have you been up to, Sebastian, and why? Yeah, it's, the taxonomy is a tricky issue. Uh, it was much debated last and this year. Um, it, it, there's a global taxomania. Globally, there are something like up to 40 geographies developing their own taxonomies. So at global level, there's a big issue of common ground taxonomies. Ideally, we should have ultimately only one, but that sounds, um, I mean, not, not feasible as of today. Uh, the EU taxonomy, more specifically, is, we think is at a, is a, at a crossroad today. Um, it, it it aims aimed initially to be science based, and that's what the regulation, the EU regulation, requires. But there has been political interference, sadly, 
very frustratingly for different specific sectors, typically um, gas-fired power, nuclear power, bioenergy, or forestry, um, which actually forced WBF not to be to leave the EU platform sustainable finance. Um, and um, this must be fixed by um, setting science-based criteria because that's the only way to make the EU taxonomy credible and really attractive and convincing for um, financial institutions. It's also um, um, complex to use, and that's a heavy cake, piece of cake. Uh, so there must be efforts to make it more usable and uh, more easy to implement uh, and to complete, because it's still ongoing. And third, um, currently the EU green taxonomy is a niche issue, it covers only a very small part in, on average of investment portfolios, of corporate business models, etc. Um, and that's not broad enough to foster the, uh, the wide economic transition we need in the entire EU market. That's not enough. It's too, too niche. So we can fix this issue by extending the EU taxonomy to several categories. In the traffic light system, currently we have an EU taxonomy that is for green activities only. And we need to move to a traffic light system with three categories, green, amber, and red. So that we have green activities that are already green, the red activities that are the environmentally harmful ones, and in between we have the amber categories that um, are not the worst, but are still not good enough and need to also need to transition. It's going to be tricky because they, this commission will not reopen the taxonomy regulation. It's too sensitive. But we still can work with market players at technical level to clarify technically what this extended taxonomy could be and how it could work. And the listeners wouldn't forgive me if you didn't say why you had it, not just you, it was a number of uh, high-level NGO environmental representatives had to leave, felt you had to leave the EU sustainable finance platform as advisors. What was the issue that took you out? Well, we it was a process issue. We raised as the platform, not only our NGOs, but as the platform, we raised different um, uh, recommendations to the Commission in terms of uh, science-based criteria for different sectors, notably um, gas-fired power and uh, nuclear power, and um, the Commission ignored them. It, let me be clear: it's the right of the Commission to ignore um, the—I mean—to not take into account uh, the uh, advice from the platform. Uh, however, it committed beforehand to justify why it did so. Uh, and it, because um, we already raised this one uh, two years ago, so it was already a, um, a sensitive issue. And in fact, the Commission refused to justify it properly and just uh, told us that it was needed to have something politically acceptable, which is not at all an, an argument, which is part of the taxonomy regulations, Article 19, and the criteria on the technical screening criteria. So they have been changing their approach and adding something, adding something that is not in the taxonomy framework. This is actually my next prediction. My third prediction for 2023 is also on the intersection between politics and sustainability, uh, because geopolitics really does make a difference. Now, in the case that you mentioned, politics got in the way of the science, um, but sometimes political change can could also advance the, the science. And I'm thinking in the last year of the Australian elections that led to a major new climate 
uh, commitments from the new government in Australia and also in, in Brazil, where, of course, the destruction of the Amazon has been a huge problem under the previous uh, president. And now there are pledges. We'll see if they're realised uh, from the new president uh, in Brazil. But the, the bit of politics I'm going to be most interested in in 2023 is what happens in the United States. So there you've now uh, got the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, on the verge of issuing requirements for um, sustainability, environmental sustainability disclosure for US companies' implementation of the TCFD. Um, if that happens, it will be really groundbreaking in terms of the world, not just in terms of uh, of America, but it's hugely controversial. Nobody knows quite what's going to happen because the it's a politically divisive issue in the states with now 17 Republican states actually passing laws to say that they couldn't use their own investments and their own pension money into ESG. There, there is a flat out attack on ESG from the political right in the United States. And now the, the Republicans have got control of the House of Representatives, they're going to have hearings about ESG. And so you're going to see frontline, very visible discussions about corporate sustainability from both sides of the argument. In the end, I think that the, um, that the, uh, uh, focus on ESG will help because it will get people to think about it and it will get people to ask searching questions whether it's on the political left or the political right, about what is genuinely ESG, environmental, social and governance. But there's no doubt that there's going to be some very high profile debates about this in 2023, not least in America. Um, I don't know what you think the outcome's going to be there. It's, uh, I totally agree with you. It's a major issue, of course, because of the potential both US and global repercussions on this. Um, I must say I was appalled to see this conservative political uh, attack against the integration of ESG issues. Um, I feel that's really, I mean, that's, that's really 20th century. That's totally obsolete as of today. Why there are so so much evidence of environmental disruption, climate change, etc., and also social I and mean, sustainability concerns on different of different kinds. Um, so I, I, I strongly hope they, the conservative voices will be defeated and it will be recognized once and for all that um, sustainability issues have to be taken into account, both at corporate level and at uh, financial level. Um, it, I mean, I feel it's pretty disastrous that this is happening only now. I mean, frankly, it should have been fixed once and for all 20 years ago. We are already uh, going to the end of the window opportunity time-wise to reach the 1.5 degree goal of the Paris Agreement. Biodiversity is, in many ways, is even worse than the climate crisis. So uh, reaching a point where every political move to slow this down is terrible because we are, we are moving out of the space to have an orderly transition to a sustainable system. And that means if we leave out of this window opportunity, then the next step is a disorderly transition with much more aggressive regulation, forcing companies, investors, banks, etc., to not do something or to divest or to etc., which is much more brutal, less anticipated, more costly, etc., 
but will be done anyway in different geographies because policymakers will think they have no choice. So things will might get worse if we if we are not um, quickly, really quickly trying to have some things move. Right, but I'm I'm intent uh, as we nearly out of time, not to be totally pessimistic and do ridden. So uh, just a couple of sentences on the last one from each of us, uh, Sebastian. To you, is that what are you positive? What are you optimistic about in 2023? Um, I think the two things: the due diligence directive you mentioned is moving forward, and I really hope. There will be an agreement, an, an acceptable agreement by the end of the year on this to really setting requirements to EU companies um, to move forward. And um, the other one is the one you mentioned on um, renewables and energy efficiency. The new energy price crisis and context gives uh, more economic reasons and more reasons in general than ever to um, get rid of fossil fuels and to refocus entirely on energy efficiency, energy savings. The energy, uh, um, sorry, the International Energy Agency made very clear that the inflation is really a fossil inflation. It's 90% fossil fuel led. And that makes it clearer than ever that it's time to get rid of fossil fuels as quickly as we can. And my positive note is, uh, I think regenerative economics, the idea that we're not just aiming for net zero, but for net positive is going to have increasing traction in 2023. There, of course, there are companies and they're well represented in those listening to this podcast who want to be out ahead. They are visionary. They are leaders. And just doing a bit less bad is not good enough for them uh, or for many of us. And we know whether it's restoring habitats in terms of biodiversity, whether it's finding finding ways to take carbon out of the atmosphere, um, uh, and whether in the social world, donor economics, uh, um, uh, whether it's possible to build the social foundation. You know, one of mine was going to be the SDG review is going to be dire, but I think that's just going to put more emphasis on what businesses do in the social sphere in 2023. And I think that will be very, very welcome indeed. So it's been a complete pleasure. Um, we perhaps should review how we've done at this time uh, next year. But the frankly speaking predictions for 2023 is uh, this increasing pace and also alignment in the corporate sustainability disclosure debate. Uh, companies going beyond disclosures, uh, particularly in terms of corporate due diligence. Uh, a bit of a mess around taxonomies for uh, ESG investment being sorted out. Um, uh, and uh, this major boost we've just been talking about in energy efficiency and renewable energy, those oil prices aren't going to come down, oil and gas prices. Uh, and there is a real opportunity for the sector there. Um, the, the nature-based solutions, the, the, the governmental treat has been done. That now it is now time for action. Uh, all eyes on ESG and what really is ESG and ESG investment, not just on the taxonomy, uh, but on the fundamentals. And is it a left right issue? Uh, you've argued, I've argued it isn't. By the way, anyone from the political right wants to come onto the podcast, come and debate it with us. You're very welcome. Get in touch. We have no views on these things. But we do have a, have a, 
view uh, that um, that uh, uh, political change can make a positive difference, but it can't get in way of the science. Uh, and you've heard as well that the net positive regenerative uh, economics may well be part of the agenda in 2023. Sebastian, thank you so much for being with us. Sadly, we have come to the end of our time, but we'd like to invite all of our audience to tell us what you think the main sustainability issues are for 2023 and to send us any feedback to speaking at frankbold.org and to share this conversation. Thanks again to you, Sebastian, to, and to all of you for joining us. Do join us next time and goodbye. Mm -hmm.